Kia ora and welcome to the New Zealand Property Market Podcast, brought to you by CoreLogic, produced by Agent TV for the 5th of July, 2021. I'm Head of Research, Nick Goodall, and I'm joined by our Chief Economist, Calvin Davidson, down in Christchurch. Calvin, how are you, mate? How's your weekend? Very good. I'm looking forward to moving house and getting this packing done with, to be honest. Uh, that's been a pain in my, you know what, for a while. But um, yeah, so that was pretty much the weekend again. And, and yeah, just looking forward to that move. My son had a birthday party to go to, so that was cool. So that's pretty much our normal weekends, family and, and um, packing at the moment. So yeah, looking forward to it all ending though. How about you? Yeah, yeah, good, mate. Oh yeah, stunning weather here. So yeah, very much just make sure we get the kids out down to the local school or playground or whatever. So yeah, uh, yeah, nice to be able to get it and enjoy that. And then just um, obviously enjoy plenty of sport going on. All Blacks are back in action. So that was enjoyable, if a little bit cringy, um, watch on Saturday night. And then the Euro football, of course, going on. So every morning, chuck the TV on for that too. So yeah, I was actually thinking we could probably turn this into a sport podcast for the day, but I know that's not our opera, uh, you know, our opera, man, man, oh, what's the word? Um, modus operandi. Modus operandi. That's the yeah. one. So we better stay clear of that one um, and just talk about the property stuff. But no, it was, it was a great weekend, mate. So very happy to get the good weather and uh, catch plenty of sport. Nice. Very good. Sweet. Well, let's uh, let's kick into things then. Um, we've got, obviously, last week, I think the biggest uh, release from our perspective was the CoreLogic House Price Index. Uh, we briefly teased it last week. Um, but, of course, the key the key really insight for me, well, there's a couple of things. Um, you know, was a slowing down across the board, although it is worth noting that there was still 1.8% growth nationwide. But because it was down from 2.2, and I think it was down from 3-something the month before that, and this is the monthly change, you know, there's this consistent slowing. So we do think that is pretty consistent and it is as expected. So we sort of led that uh, led that line with our, with our release. But I think the bigger part for me or the biggest surprise for me was the fact that we actually saw a minor drop in three cities in terms of the uh, house price index change. Um, now, I'm always loath to be, you know, it's one month of, of data and so you don't want to get too carried away with the trend. But because the index we know is three months rolling, it's usually pretty consistent. It's pretty um, robust. And so you can be a bit more com- comfortable with that one month change being real. Um, yes, things could sort of flip back around next month. But I think that the fact that we did sort of drop in, in anywhere was a bit of a surprise. We we're expecting the slowdown as opposed to a drop. So we saw Gisborne dropped by 0.9%, New Plymouth 0.3% down, and Napier essentially flat, but down 0.1%. So the fact that we're negative, as I said, was, was, in, in, was significant on its own and certainly led some of the discussions that we had. Gisborne was, of course, very interesting for the fact that, you know, it's had such strong growth over such a long period of time now. I think it's 35% growth in the last 12 months. Obviously, 0.9 backwards is very minor compared to that long-run history. Um, But I I suppose it just reflects the fact that that growth was always going to be unsustainable. We were going to see that start to fall away at some stage. But the fact that we're negative was certainly of interest, and we'll see where that one goes. Um, In terms of why and where our discussion with a lot of the media went to here was, you know, is this because of the tax changes? I think, you know, our feel is more due to the LVRs, the loan-to-value ratio restrictions, of course, um, tightening up in the last few months. We've talked about this quite a bit on the podcast, um, you know, mostly because we've seen this all before. When they last went to 40%, we saw activity from investors drop away, and we saw growth in the market drop away as well. 
And so I think that's very much the case this time. Yep, add a few more things that add some more uncertainty to it. Of course, that's going to mean even more downward pressure or less upward pressure on the market. And so that's why it's not so much of a surprise for us. In terms of what it means for the market, I think the one key thing that jumps out for me straight away is it's probably um, you know, proving even more that there's less likelihood and less need for the Reserve Bank to bring in those debt-to-income um, restrictions, which they've obviously got the ability to do or should have the ability to do very, very soon um, based on the release a couple of weeks ago. So I think the fact that we're seeing this slowdown is really proving the fact that, yes, they can sit back and see how these changes that have been brought, the tax changes, the LVRs, how they play out, but the fact that it looks like they're having the effect of slowing the market down means, yep, there's no real need for them to, to add another piece of regulation to the market um, when you're already seeing that slowdown, and they'll obviously be very conscious and wary of that as well. Um, so that's kind of my my overall rundown. When I made a few notes for the few media interviews I did, um, that's kind of the things that I pulled out. Was there anything else um, from the index or you know from the, the coverage last week that you wanted to pick up on, Kelvin? I think just to reiterate the the point about de- uh, debt to income ratio caps, it, it feels like yeah you know, we know there's that six month lead time anyway, but it, it certainly feels like that the things you know might, are turning, and, and so that the chances of that have, have got less. But also the Reserve Bank's you know on record saying, hey, we're not going to rush. We're, we're like you say, we're going to look at the effects of the other changes in the market already before we take any big steps there. That we're working behind the scenes to put them in place, of course, or put them in place the system, design it and, and kind of put it in place. But yeah, pulling the trigger on it feels like it'll be perhaps not in this cycle and a little bit later. Also because, of course, we've got this threat of higher mortgage rates now too. And you know, we've seen uh, lots of times in the past and around the world and, and in theory as well that, that when interest rates rise, that's you know a, a big sort of slowing influence on on the property market so we've got that as well on top of all the other changes too which are sort of regulatory type things that mortgage rate thing is a, a real genuine market force so so those things are yeah just all add to that case and and, and you're looking looking for that slowdown really from now on yeah no, i agree yeah good point about the interest rate side of things too and i think as you said that's probably a much more weighty effector than maybe um you know is being talked about but it is coming to the fore a little bit more as well so i expect that'll that'll continue to to um, get some headlines as well. Um, so I suppose then the key question is, if we're starting to see a downturn um, you know, or a slowdown, what, what does that look like in the future? And I think part of the questions we're certainly going to get now is, you know, what risk is there of values dropping away considerably? And I know within the last week or so, there was this, sort of this report put out by Standard & Poor's, which did talk about the risk of a significant drop in values in New Zealand. Um, I know that you had a quick look at that one. Do you just want to give us a quick overview of what they said and then uh, maybe our take on, on the likelihood of, of that occurring? Yeah, so this, this standard and pause, the, the sort of international credit ratings agency that, that put out this report saying that, I mean, it looks at the general economy and, and all of those sorts of macro trends, but obviously the housing market's a big part of that at the moment. And so they said that in broad terms, within the next two years, they estimate that there's a, a one in three chance of a, a sharp correction or a disorderly adjustment, whichever sort of phrase you want to use for, for the New Zealand housing market, which in other words means house price falls. And so, yeah, one in three over a two-year horizon, especially if the current gains keep on going for a while. So it's more a case of you know what goes up kind of must come down and the faster it goes up, perhaps the faster it falls. So that's, that's, that's sort of what they're saying. But it's a one in three probability, not a central forecast. The, the central scenario is still for um, sort of a, a slowdown that we've been talking about too, and most people are talking about, rather than that 
sharp downturn. But um, still, a one in three chance. That's what they've they've put out there. So, so sort of can't be ignored. And it does back up this this sense. It's sort of creeping chatter in the market that, and, and a, a feeling that yeah, if things go up faster and faster and faster, well, it, it obviously raises that potential for for a fall at some point. So so yeah, that's out there in the market now. I think in terms of some some thoughts around that. Well, yeah, we've I've just mentioned mortgage rates going up. That's that's obviously a threat. Um, people's debts are bigger than before. There's there's that thing we talk about a lot about. Yeah, you know, even a small change from a low level of interest rates is proportionally quite a lot, and could raise people's mortgage payments quite a lot, especially if they haven't really prepared for it or, or thought about it. So, mortgage rates obviously are a threat out there for the for the property market, but. Think about some of those other things that have, have turned the market in the past. And, and one that comes to mind is obviously the labor market scenario. And you know, if you see a sharp rise in unemployment, you see people struggling to pay the mortgage and, and, and you, you get into that cycle of sort of mortgagee sales and stuff. So, but if you look at the labor market indicators now, well, they look great. You know, unemployment's coming down. I'm sure certain sectors have been hit a bit harder, but overall unemployment's coming down and now. You know, a lot of economists forecasting that we're on the way back to 4% unemployment, which was, was pretty much you know, back to where we were pre-COVID, and that was considered a, a very hot labour market. So I think, yeah, on that unemployment side, it's actually quite quite supportive. And then credit availability, that's obviously we saw during the GFC that um, you know, people banks tightening up on credit kind of drove a lot of that pressure in the market at that point now at the moment yeah there's some some restrictions on credit of course you've got deposit requirements and possible debt to incomes there's a bunch of um, sort of regulatory pressures there but on other on the other hand the banks have, have got plenty of money there we've never heard any suggestion in this cycle that it's about credit shortages so that from that point of view actually that's kind of supportive for the market too so you've got sure some things that could slow things down like the mortgage rate issue but then you've got that unemployment um, outlook which is looking pretty good and that credit availability availability thing so there's there's as always there's there's two sides to the coin but um yeah i I do feel that that central scenario of a slowdown rather than a big downturn still makes sense when you think about those those bigger drivers agree and i mean the other side of i suppose would be potential of oversupply if we were building at a rate that was going to mean that we had too many properties for the amount of demand that's out there as well. And yes, we know we've got strong building consent figures, of course. Um, but you know, do we really think that there's a chance of an oversupply, especially in our main centres? And I'm sure there's, you know, we need to look at some regional differences here. But I think that's the other side of things as well. And on the mortgage payment side, um, I think you're right. Like unless there's unemployment in conjunction with lifting interest rates, then surely most people, even if they haven't budgeted for it, they're going to see their mortgage payments increase. And this is after their term fixed, you know, the fixed term comes up too. So it won't necessarily hit immediately, but when the next, you know, term comes up, that's when they're going to see an adjustment in payments. I suppose the key thing would be probably that would just impact people's spending. More of your money is going towards your housing costs, so you can't spend that much elsewhere. Um, you know, whether that's on your disposable income, you know, and your other fun things, whether it's travel or, you know, all the things we've seen people buy lots more of, you know, um, you know, the the, the household items, um, you know, cars or whatever, you know, might see a reduction in that. And that obviously has a flow through to our economy if we're not spending as much. So there's probably some things to be wary of with that one too. But then if that does slow down, then I suppose that means that that might limit the growth in interest rates from that point because they won't want to push interest rates up too far because it does slow our economy down. So then they'll start to press the other way on it. 
Um, so I think that's why it's the key thing to go. It's all going to be slowly adjusting and little little adjustments for people as opposed to a significant change unless it was paired with a lift in unemployment and people losing their job or people seeing a drop in their income. Um, and that's that's why I think it is more of this orderly change in the market as opposed to a significant drop. Um, so I think that's that's the other, that's the really good point. And from the credit perspective, you know, because there's these you know levers that the Reserve Bank has in terms of you know LVR restrictions, you know, they could just if they were worried about that, they could just reduce that um, back down. They could say investors only need thirty percent deposit or lift the speed limit or whatever it might be to try and get that credit flowing again. So I think that's the other thing is that there's some levers here. If they did see it slow down too much, they could speed it back up again because we know that Reserve Bank, um, the government themselves, do not want to see a significant downturn themselves because they know the impact that would have on the economy. So, you know, it kind of just gives you that, that feeling that even if things went the wrong way, it should be manageable to get back, you know, where they want it to be. Um, so, yeah, that's I think that's, that's, that's probably encapsulates my feeling as well um but yeah, yeah. so and, and maybe now we can just sort of look at there's a few pieces of data that were out last week um, from an economic perspective that really basically talk to many of the things we've just spoken about in terms of strength of jobs um yes we're building lots from a consent perspective so we'll look at that as well and then what's happening from the confidence perspective and what influence that might have on interest rates so i know um you've kept across all these little data releases do you want to run us through those ones and um, when we'll, maybe we can take a couple each or whatever, but yes, maybe starting with that job starter. Yeah, these were, they, like you say, these actually encapsulate a lot of the stuff we just talked about absolute perfectly. It's So yeah, jobs jobs figures from Stats New Zealand um, last uh, last week, this was uh, the field jobs for May, uh, 2.23 million in seasonally adjusted terms. So that's another tick up from the previous month and pushes us up to a new record high. So, so really, it just confirms that, that that labor market is still looking pretty good. Jobs are being created, they're being filled, and and you know, surveys are reporting that actually the, the bigger issue is, is that shortage of skills. You know, that's been something that's that's started to emerge a lot more. And so, it's not so much a, a lack of, of of businesses wanting to expand or hire people. It's actually finding the people that that seems to be the bigger problem. So, so yeah, that's that's still a pretty encouraging number. And then dwelling consents, uh, yeah, this this was this was an encouraging number too. Strong again, people want houses built, and you know we need that for for sort of eradicating some of these shortfalls that have, have built up or deficits of construction. Uh, the issue is, of course, now these capacity constraints that we've talked about, and, and I suspect that that increasing lag between getting consent and actually finishing the house, you know, that could start to rise a bit. So there's. There's good and bad in those numbers, I suppose, with with costs rising. But for the moment, you know, it's it's still busy sector. Yeah, agree. And other than the headlines, that was sort of saying record number of townhouses done in Auckland. Um, but then I think the other side of this as well is, and again, I think maybe we need to consider the regional differences here. And I know that um, you know, looking at the data, certainly looking pretty disappointing for. Wellington and just the Wellington region too. It's not just Wellington City where we know there's real shortage of buildable land or land to be built up on, um, but it's actually broader Wellington, the Wellington region where there's still those consenting figures are uh, not at a level that befits the, the size of the, the, the city or the region here. Um, so I think there's some, some consistent concerns there, whereas Auckland, yep, still going upwards, which is great. Christchurch back on its way up again as well, or wider Christchurch, if you want to call it that. Um, the Canary region. So I think, you know, there's some real regional differences here and something we didn't talk about in the 
and the opening discussion around, you know, where there might be more vulnerability, I think that's probably the key thing from now. You know, I talked about a few areas like Gisborne, which we're seeing this minor drop. Maybe it's just grown too far and there's not going to be strong demand. And I think that's the key thing to look for now is where's the slowdown or maybe a bit of a drop in price is going to occur, but relatively orderly could be different across the different parts of the country. Whereas previously, I don't think we've talked about too many regional differences because when it was going up, everywhere was pretty strong. There was always minor differences regionally, but it wasn't of all that much interest. Whereas now, I think there could be some differences open up with how things perform in this next part of the cycle, if you want to call it that. And that's certainly, I know, something that you and I have spoken about, going, let's do a bit more investigation here and understand where these vulnerabilities might lie. You know, whether it's economic or it's really related to, you know, building or, um, you know, price growth or who's been active or investor markets, whatever it is, look at all these different factors to try and understand where we might see, you know, less strength in the market, let's say, and that might even mean a bit of a drop in prices. So I know that's something we're going to look into, and that will also be reflected by, you know, these build figures as well. When you're looking at, you know, how strong or otherwise building's been in certain areas, and whether that's been justified with population growth or, or not. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to park back to that one too before I knew you were going to talk about some of the other the other um, economic releases, but that's something that I've sort of been picking up on, and, and I know that we want to look into further anyway. Yeah, for sure. And, and that, that regional vulnerability sort of analysis, you know, you can still have a central view of, of slowdown, not downturn. But within that, it always pays for, for businesses and anybody to assess, well, even if that is your central scenario, kind of like Standard & Poor's have done, uh, you can still consider, well, what if we're wrong? And what if what if something else happens and there is a downturn? Where, where might be vulnerable? So that type of analysis is still very, very valuable. Um, and so, yeah, uh, that'll be on the cards. But um, yeah, then the other economic indicator from last week was was confidence, business confidence and consumers from ANZ. Now, the themes of both these surveys are pretty much the same. I mean, there's the headline indicators of, of confidence and you know, what people are thinking, what, what, they're, what they're planning to do with their spending on the consumer side or their, or their business plans. But really, both surveys, that were, the write-ups were much more about inflation expectations and what, what are happening to businesses' input costs and therefore what they might be planning to do in terms of their prices they charge to consumers and also the the consumer side what they think is going to happen to inflation and, and both of these things are pushing in the same direction which is up and so yeah this this very much feeds into that that higher inflation concern that people are starting to think about therefore that would tend to put upwards pressure on the, on, on mortgage rates or uh, you know the official cash rate from the reserve bank they'll be starting to think gee do we need to stick this up a bit sooner than what we thought which in turn would would feed through to those mortgage rates. So this inflation interest rate story is is getting bigger, and you know if anything, it, it does suggest you know, mortgage rate rises could be coming sooner rather than later. And I think uh, the AMZ economists even came out and said, well, you know we were talking about a few weeks back talking about interest rate rises second half of next year. It's quickly come forward the first half of next year, and now it might even be the end of this year. So, you know, anybody out there thinking about kind of refixing or whatever, it may, may just be a, a, a good time to think more seriously about that because it does feel like this, this inflation, inflation outlook is getting more concern and then possibly you know, upwards, upwards pressure on interest rates. Yeah, yeah, I, bang on. I just think that's exactly what we need to consider here is this impact and potential for the OCR changing and that flowing through to mortgage interest rates. Um, it is quite interesting how quickly it's come forward and the discussion or the argument for it being sooner rather than later seems to be 
you know, the expectation for the Reserve Bank to get ahead of the game. Um, if you wait too long, then it's hard to sort of, you know, change things. And so it really depends on the, the Reserve Bank, um, you know, mentality, I suppose, of trying to head this off or, or wait and see and hope that things don't get, you know, the inflation doesn't get too much on them. So it just depends on your, your kind of own take on whether you see Reserve Bank lying on that. What's the next, I'm going to put you on the spot here because we didn't talk about this previously, but what's the next um, time release from the Reserve Bank where we might give a bit of a guidance on on their thinking on this, where we go picking through the language they use um, I'm trying to create some more dead time here in case you have to do a quick Google search, mate. But do you have that on top of you? <laughs> well, I mean, the, the monetary policy statement's the big, the big release for them. So I think it'll be about a month's time. You know, you could be looking at early August for the for the monetary policy statement. The, the monetary policy review was the previous one a couple of weeks back, where they they kept things um, unchanged, of course, but it's all about the language. So I think you're probably looking at about another month. I need to check that date. But um, yeah, it's it it is um. It does seem to be coming forward and, and that the idea there is that now digging into my theory here a little bit but i i think you know you're talking about this the lags and and you know interest rates uh a change in interest rates affects the real economy and inflation maybe six to 12 months down the track so that's the kind of thing they're thinking about they're trying to get ahead of the game and think well okay where do we think inflation will actually be in a year's time and if it's above our target do we need to move now to kind of head that off? So it's 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 all um, working on pretty long timeframes. You know, it's it's quite a, especially in this environment, thinking a year ahead, what might, what inflation might be doing is, is a pretty tough ask. But yeah, that's that's where the that's probably where they're starting to think that that you know, do we need to be heading that off now? And and it might look kind of harsh now when people look at current conditions and say, well, you know, we're just coming out of you know a pretty tough period or still in that pretty tough period why are you sticking up interest rates that's that's pretty tough isn't it but yeah that's what they're thinking about is is getting ahead of the game so because you because it can also once those inflation expectations get embedded then it's hard to to bring them back down so it it gets all a bit sort of technical and there's a little bit of psychology and stuff in there but it but that's that's what they're what they're thinking yeah, no, I love it. That's exactly, I think, the take we want to get. So uh, great insight there. And I think, yeah, good to good to understand it a bit better and certainly, you know, know what to look out for um, when we do next see a release from the Reserve Bank or or understanding the other economists' releases as well. So that's great. Um, awesome, mate. Well, um, we can then look ahead to this week. And I know that you'll have a few days off, of course, with uh, moving later this week. But um, the, major, the major thing for us, I suppose, is our bioclassification data um, which we'll get at the end of the week um, for June. So we'll see who was active in the market over June. I think, you know, no surprises what, we, what we're going to expect, and that is a, a, another drop in investor activity. Was there anything else you're sort of looking out for with that data coming through later in the week, Calvin? No, just pretty much that. I and mean, that's that's been the big theme for the last couple of months, certainly the, the easing off in, in mortgage investors' share. And also, on the flip side, you know what first-time buyers might be doing, as well as those existing owner-occupiers too. So those are kind of the three key groups. But certainly given the attention that investors have been getting, it's it's mostly sort of what their share has been doing. And, and I think we talked about it last week, is that so far the evolution of mortgage investors market share in response to previous LVR rules seems to have been pretty much the same as it was going back four or five years. So, you know, I suggest there's still further further falls to come. And if anything, given the extra attention this time, could could go lower than last time. So yeah, possibly creating opportunities for for other buyers to get in. So yeah, those are the those are the big themes. Yeah, cool. Um 
you'll wait and see on that one. Um, the other thing I think in terms of looking ahead is uh, just to flag the fact that I've been called up for jury duty um, from next week, potentially for two weeks. So we'll wait and see how that one goes. It may well throw out our schedule of recording. Um, so just a heads up on that one, but we'll obviously figure something out and still still keep the weekly podcast out there. It just maybe at slightly different times and different content, or we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But um, just a heads up on that. Um, cool, mate. Well, I can let us get out of here then, unless you've got anything else you wanted to chat about um, from on top of your mind from the last week or what's coming up. Uh, all good. Just hoping for a fine weather towards the end of the week so we can get our stuff moved. And yeah, be all out of the way come next Monday. So looking forward to that. Is it looking okay for the weather? Have you looked at the head of that forecast? It is. It is at this point. Yep. Thursday's looking okay for Christchurch. So yeah, fingers crossed. Brilliant. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep the fingers crossed on that one, mate, because yeah, it's not nice having to move in the rain, that's for sure. Um, and hopefully you've got someone looking after the kids too, so you're not trying to move with kids charging around as well. Still school days this week, so that's lucky. Of course. Um, so yeah, we should we should be okay on that front. Nice. Uh, brilliant, mate. All right, well, uh, let's let's get out of here then. Um, thanks once again. As I say, I think really good chat, really interesting to consider that potential downturn and what that could look like. Um, and as I say, well, there'll be plenty more to come on that one. But thanks for your brilliant insights as well, um, as usual, Calvin. Thanks for listening. Please do subscribe if you're new around here. Hit that auto-download button and uh, give us a rating and review, please. And do feel free to get in touch with us too. What else is on your mind? What else is coming up? And, and you know, do you feel there's more vulnerability in the market? Please let us know. We're available on Twitter, LinkedIn, and our email addresses are all within the podcast play you're listening through right now. Just leaves me to say thanks very much. My name is Nick. He's Calvin. You've been listening to the Property New Zealand Property Market Podcast. Ngāti wā. Well.